Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I am super excited to be here with Sean Randall. He has such a big, beautiful story that we're going to do this in two episodes. We're going to talk about making things in your life better. So many of us just want things to be better than they are now. We don't like the way that things are, and we really want it to be different and better. So there are steps to actually making that happen, and... We're going to talk about some of those steps today and more of those steps next week. Sean, thank you so much for being here with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you are doing now in the world? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's so great to be here on Be the Wolf. And, you know, what I'm doing now, I think, is being the wolf, finally, after many, many years being myself. And that's an author. I'm a metaphysical novelist and poet. Uh, So I've got two poetry books, Words Like Wine and A a Piece of My Mind, and my metaphysical novel, Letters from Lima, and a work of nonfiction called The Manifestation Method, which we'll probably get into a lot in the second episode of this, of of the how-to, the practical application of how do you become the person that that you truly are and that you want to be. And experience those things and so i you know also i work with students imparting that process i'll add on my mind today as we get started my father passed away this saturday he was 80 years young and it's always difficult my older brother and i were both with him so that part of it was really a blessing and my older brother curated some of his favorite songs and in the last couple days he was with us in the hospital he was playing some of his favorite music and we knew we were pretty close to the end on on saturday afternoon you're a little staticky this is an important story so i really want to make sure that we all hear it i don't know i don't know what went wrong i'm having technical difficulties today and maybe it's your dad saying hello yeah he wanted to (laughs) he just he wanted this story to linger as as long as possible on the podcast well he had a flair for the dramatic and that was kind of the the point i was getting to with the story so my way by frank sinatra came on and i think we all know the the message of that song is is doing it your way and as the last note drifted away he he went with it and i thought you know that that was really apropos of who he was as a person. And I learned a lot from my dad through my lifetime by observation and by things that he would say. And but particularly towards the end of his life, I got to know him in, in ways that I never did growing up. And he was always uh, a big supporter of mine through a lot of the stuff we'll talk about today. So I think it's, it's important for people to know that I was really blessed and fortunate to have his support during some of these stories we'll, we'll tell. And I'm empowered and motivated to keep his his memory going and his, his work going. So Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing a little bit of him with us. And yeah, well, I, I felt like people should, if I get emotional during this podcast, which I'm prone to anyway, I, I, <laughs> I cry during, it doesn't take much. So anyway, if I get emotional, that's probably what's driving it, but. Yeah. And underneath all of that, and now you've expressed such gratitude. And as we say, or 
goodbyes to people that we love. We get to be held with this place that how lucky are we that we got to experience them and in different ways when it's somebody we've known for a long time because we grow and shift and change and they grow and shift and change. And yeah. that is, of course, a big be the wolf quality. Yeah. So you living this life of who you truly are, it wasn't always this free flow <laughs> for you. There was some dark, darker times. Let's put it that way. Let's start. You were at, there was a point in your life where you were an executive with like Starbucks and Nordstrom's and let's kind of dip back to that point in your life in the, what do we call the tens, the early 2000 teens. I don't know what we call that. Yeah, the, the 2000s into the 2010s, I guess. Yeah. So I, I, as a young guy, I ended up in quick service food and beverage management. And I ended up at Starbucks at the right time, for sure. The, the company was growing leaps and bounds and that helped grow my career. And um, Starbucks was a, a great place for me to, to work because it was a company that really cared about the workplace and it cared about how we treated each other and it cared about how it interacted with the community. And the core purpose was to provide people with an uplifting experience. I'm, I'm suddenly blanking on the, the whole thing, but that was the, the, the message of what we were all about. And so that was really rewarding to be a part of that. And it was exciting to grow my career and, and learn so much and interact with so many people. And from there, I went to Nordstrom, and that's when I moved to Chicago and had a, a really good position there. And I was a success, you know, it was at that point that I was, I had a lot of the things that people think that they want in their lives. And, mm -hmm. and I thought that I wanted it too. And so I, I was making a good income and I was having a lot of fun and life was pretty good, but I wasn't satisfied with who I was. And I didn't, I hadn't felt like I had done anything I don't want to use the word significant, but significant to me. I felt like my work was was good. It was fine, but it wasn't. I knew it wasn't where my true calling or passion was. I was, you know, I was aware of it at the whole whole time I was doing it. And you know, I started writing at a young age and had been encouraged by teachers and different people when I was in my teen years. And so I'd never not written and been writing, but I wasn't doing it for a living, and I wasn't pursuing it the way that I certainly do now. And there was just something, there was a part of me that, that was disengaged. And it, I think my personal happiness started to deteriorate during that time. Yeah. So what was it? I think this is a really common thing for a lot of people. They have this passion or this thing that they love when they're younger and, and, but they do that route of, what you think you should do. And sometimes it's you have a part-time job and you end up staying there and you get sucked in, whatever it might be. But what was it for you that had you lean into working in the court, working with the corporations you were working with, as opposed to leaning into something you were more passionate about? So I was in, in my early twenties, I a singer-songwriter and was trying to make my way playing in piano bars and stuff like that. And when I was from teenagers into early 20s, I wanted to be Billy Joel when I grew up. And that was the dream. And <laughs> Billy uh, Joel. Yeah. There's one problem is I'm not Billy Joel. I'm Sean Randall. And retrospectively, oh. I didn't hear him say this at the time. I remember Billy Joel talking about dealing, battling depression and because and, he wanted to be Beethoven. The problem was he wasn't Beethoven, he was Billy Joel. It's something I've learned later that the person that, and I think this is true a lot of times when we look at people who are accomplished in their field or celebrity or whatever, we look and we're like, we want to be like them. But the truth is they probably, a lot of them want to be somebody else too. And that's that leads to unhappiness and that kind of thing. So when I was, so as I got towards 25 years old, I, I started to have a lot of self-doubt about my musical career. I didn't think it was going to, happen. I, you know, I didn't feel old, but I felt old for what I was, was trying to do. I hadn't broken through and had success by the time I was 22, 23. And it started to really weigh on me that I don't think this is going to happen. And the truth is, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you will be 
Correct. Um, <laughs> well, that's definitely true. We're yeah. definitely getting static again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I do want to say, it's like if we look into these dreams about being something really big, like a rock star or something like that, we have these models growing up of people that are doing things that affect our lives emotionally. And so there seems to be such power in that leaning into, oh, how do we get to affect other people in a positive way? And I think we're young. We don't necessarily see the people that are doing maybe the kind of work that you and I are doing now, but we see these people that are making music. We see these athletes that are hopefully putting out good messages and all of that. I think still staticky. It's still staticky. I do I not would know what the solution is here. We're having technical difficulties. Anything, the only thing I can think to do and we're live is probably not a good idea is actually exit out and reconnect. Oh, exit out and reconnect. Let's do it. Okay, I'll try we it. Can do, we can do whatever we want. I'll just blabber on about something. All right, yeah. <laughs> so as we're having technical difficulties, those of you that are watching or listening are privy to... I want to take this opportunity to really step into that idea of perfectionism <laughs> because I know that so many of us out there are stuck in this place of being really scared to put our foot forward into the things we want that might make our life better because we're afraid of screwing up. We're afraid of it not looking perfect. And so what'll happen sometimes is that we will rework things over and over and over until we think that it's perfect. Or if we have hiccups go wrong, we will just shut down and freak out when the reality is Life is full of mistakes. There's nothing perfect. Let's see how we, let's see if we sound perfect. I am, no. I am so nervous right now. How does it sound? <laughs> you sound great. <laughs> All right. I think I caught the tail end of what you were saying there is that things, things happen in life. So yeah, um, things happen. Yeah. You were talking about how the way that certain people make us feel. And, you know, I, I think that that's right. And I think that we look at, at people, um, in the public life and we, we are affected by the work that they've done. And we, we want to do that for other people. I think that's a, a really natural inclination and it's a great place to start. And it's a great place to start thinking about who you are and what you want to do. And, but you, you have to be willing to be yourself and not try to become what somebody else is because the reason that they're so effective is because they're, they're doing their work in an authentic way typically. And, so, yeah, I mean, I think without belaboring that point, got to mentally, the doubts had crept in. Right. And I think people who are into performing music and stuff, it's a doubt-filled process for most of us every time you play. And certainly when you're not playing, you're thinking about what you're, what it is that you want to do. And the psychology of it is is huge. And for me, I had a lot of doubt and I just didn't feel I, it was a lot of things. I didn't feel worthy of the success if I had, if I had ended up having it. And then I also felt like if I didn't have it, that my life would be horrible. And I didn't want that either. And so it was a lot of fear and a lot of self-doubt. And I, I chose a safer path. And I think that that's what a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, it, it's what a lot of us are guided to do by parents and by mentors and really well-meaning people in society kind of want to prevent us from the, the perceived pain of, of having your dreams crushed. Right. And, you know, I'm here to say that having your dreams crushed is, is a far superior outcome to not pursuing them. And that's where the real pain is, is when you're pursuing a path that's not true to yourself, no, no matter whether it leads to a successful career or whatever the, the, the things that you want to have in your life are, if you're going about getting them by doing something 
that's not intuitive or intrinsic to your your nature and your yourself, then it's going to end up with some some lack a lack of balance and a lack of alignment in your yourself. Yeah, and one of the things that I really think about is that we all have to live with ourselves, right? We are the ones that are here, residing in our body, listening to our thoughts all of the time. And so when we give up on things or we bend and contort our ways in ways that are about fulfilling somebody else's dreams or doing what other people think that we should do, what starts to happen at at an unconscious level, and most people are not even aware that this is happening, is they start to get mad at themselves for not trying and for not giving it their all and for not picking up when things got hard. And and so it becomes, it starts to become this cycle, this swirl of, I'll just say lack of respect for oneself. (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll make it a little nicer than some of the words that we say to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely went through through what you described there. I was angry with myself, for sure. I, I think we can get angry at other people. We can get angry at ourselves. We can blame other people or we can blame ourselves. And I think most of us do some some combination of that when we're struggling. And I, you know, certainly at times would blame other people, right? There was certainly times where it was easy to point the finger at, at some something somebody else did that limited my opportunities. It, this is a gift I have about myself. I've always felt like I was responsible for the circumstances of my life. And wow. so the so when the circumstances of my life weren't the way I wanted them to be, that was my fault. I started to really beat myself up internally and um, and then when you lack the respect for yourself that you talk about there, you know, I had a lot of self-destructive behaviors that entered into my life that spiraled out of control with drugs and alcohol specifically that were really pretty innocuous and innocent for me, just social fun things to do that I had the means to do. And then at some point down the road, they, you know, essentially took everything away from me, but my, I yeah. lost my financial security. I lost my physical health. My emotional and mental health was also, and when I say that, just to be, you know, so people know what we're talking about by 2012, I started dealing with depression when I was young, probably about 12 years old. And I actually just found I was, as I was going through things from, of my dad's things yesterday, I found a a note from, or a letter from my mom. He was away for work and she had written him a letter and she talked about, we had just moved and she talked about my furniture being rearranged and set up in the room. And she said, she, the comment was, she felt like I was, it seemed like I was doing better. And I was probably about 11, 10 or 11, I think when that was written. And, and I thought, wow, I didn't realize anybody else saw it or felt it at mm. that point, that young. And then a couple of years later, there was certainly an awareness from my parents, but they didn't really know yeah. what to do. That the depression specifically by the time I, it, it had gotten worse through my teens. By the time I was in my early 20s, I, I really had it. I don't know why. I think I was just excited to be an adult and go out and kind of be doing my own thing and didn't deal with as depression as much. Self-doubt was certainly always a factor. But by the time 2012 had come around, so this is flash forward about 10 more years or so, I started to deal with really severe depression. And it got to where I was contemplating suicide pretty regularly, I'd say about once a week. By the time I finally got started really get right-sided, which is 2018, so that's six years later, I was contemplating suicide every day and and frequently throughout the day. It was a heavy weight and a dark cloud that I carried with me everywhere I went. And so that's, I think it's important to say that so people know what we're talking about as opposed to dancing around it. Yeah. And before we dive deeper into that aspect, there's something you said before, and you said, I always took it on the responsibility that I was the cause of my issues or what was going on in my life that I didn't like. And there's two ways to do that. And one way is this, we really take it internally 
and make it mean that we're not very good, that there's something wrong with us, that why is why can't we do this? Everybody else has these great lives and whatever. What is wrong with us that we have not been able to do it? And then there's the, oh, well, I have been going to the bar five nights a week instead of getting up and getting a good night's sleep and doing this and doing that. So there's a different way. There's two different ways to look at that responsibility piece. It's like there's this responsibility piece of, oh, I'm not taking the actions that will get me to where I want to go. I am not being the person that will get me to where I want to go. And, oh, I am just there's something wrong with me. I'm terrible. I'm horrible. And that's not, and that's why I can't get to where I go. And one of those ways will help pull you out of a depression or will help you to move forward towards what you want. And the other way will typically act more like an anchor and pull you further and further down. Yeah, yeah I think that's that's a hundred percent. Accurate. And I went through both those cycles at, at different times. And I think one of the things that I learned is that if you ask yourself why your life is screwed up, your brain will give you an answer. And if you mm -hmm. ask yourself, why is it that I love what you said there, it's like going to the bar five nights a week. And and in my prime, it was six or seven a, a lot. Me but, too. <laughs> yeah. But you, and you, you ask yourself, why do I keep doing this? You know, why I don't want I don't want to do this. Not that I don't want to socialize and have fun and do those things, but I don't want my life to be consumed by it. And, but yet your behavior doesn't change. And a lot of that's because you keep, if you ask, why am I going to the bar five nights a week? Your subconscious will tell you, well, it's because you need this and your life is shitty. And the only thing you have going for you is these good times you have when you're out. And so it's it's really about taking advantage of the the power that our subconscious minds have and starting to ask different questions. And so whatever behavioral patterns somebody's stuck in, if if they have to stop and start asking different questions, because we're that's how our brains work. We're constantly asking ourselves questions, more so than actually telling ourselves answers. But we think we tend to think in questions. And I think that the two things that you described there, the two ways of processing that personal responsibility, it's really, really important to ask quality questions and say, well, who is it that I am? Who is it that I want to be? And what is it that I'm going to do about it? You, you touched on that and the action is so important is what are the steps that I want to take and the thing, what are the things that I want to do? And they're different for everybody. That's, that's right. so, so important is that you can't look at somebody else's action path and think, well, if I just duplicate that, that's what's going to work for me. And I, I, we, right. it's a good place to start. If you see somebody else who's been successful doing what you want to do, that's a great place to start, but it's not the, it's not the hundred percent answer for any of us. We, we have to find, we have to find our way on our own to some, to some degree. Right. And having guides along the way is definitely a powerful thing. So you're sitting in this place of contemplating suicide on a regular basis, contemplating taking your life. And there was this point when you went to Catsit. There's this mind shift yeah. moment for you. Yeah. Tell us about this. Tell us a little bit about leading up to that place and then yeah. what shifted for you that day. Yeah. In 2016 is when I would say I hit rock bottom. And before that, I kept thinking, well, things can't get any worse. And they kept getting worse. So I had had my, my gas turned off and my electricity turned off in my apartment. And I was, I was moving in with a roommate, which there's nothing wrong with, but I was, I was around 40 years old. And at 40 years old, you don't, you've had a successful career and you've lived on your own and so on and so forth. The idea of moving, at least for me, moving in with a roommate was a tremendous ego blow. And so I, that was the bottom of it financially. I did from making that move and getting things right-sided, I, I, I started to make some progress, but it was very, 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 very slow progress. And it was usually one step forward and two steps back from 2016 and into 2018. Uh, and I, so at that point I was close friend of mine had, um, mentored me and got me into the real estate business to work with him and was helping me out a lot in, in so many ways as a friend and as a mentor. And I was working really hard 
And I, I was going to CatSit and I had the business, but it wasn't consistently paying my bills. So I was also driving Uber close to 40 hours a week, almost a full-time job to keep income in and bills paid. So I, I went to CatSit and went inside and they had a note prepared for me and they had all these meals and stuff prepared for me for the week that they had, they had done. And I was incredibly touched by that. And then alongside it, they had, a, there was a hundred, hundred bucks with it. And I was so relieved and I was so excited that that was there because it meant that I didn't have to drive that night. I could take a, a night off. And, and then, it, but it was also immediately like, I didn't want to accept money. I didn't, I had no intention of that. I was doing a favor for a friend and wanted to help them. And I got really emotional because it was like, how, how have I arrived at a place where a hundred dollars makes this big of a difference in my life? And I'd been working, I'd been trying, and I'd been doing a lot of things to fix my life, so to speak. And so I got really emotional about it and I, I stopped and I was given the gift of not having to drive that night. So I did a lot of deep reflection and, and I just committed to, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to find it. And mm -hmm. I, so I was still the drinking and using drugs, not heavily at that point, but frequently. And I was a pack a day smoker. So I, I went and I grabbed my cigarettes and I threw them in the trash can. I said, I'm done with that. And All right. I, I said, I'm done with drugs and alcohol and I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to, every ounce of energy that I have is going to go towards committing to making my life better because I, I thought I still, I still believed that if I became successful, if I had a successful real estate career and made a lot of money, that would allow me to be happy in all the other areas. I could have a good relationship. I could go on great vacations. I missed all the things I used to <laughs> be able to do. And I thought right. I didn't necessarily believe that that was, I hadn't forgotten that I wasn't happy then, but it was, I knew it was so much better than where I was currently at. Right. So I was, I was super, super motivated. And I think a lot of people can relate to that where you hit this point, you hit this wall and you're like, I got to break through this. I've got to do this. And I, so that's where I was at. And I, for about four months, um, was perfectly sober, didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't do anything. And I thought, all right, man, this is great. I've lost a lot of weight. I've been working out five times a week. I feel better. I look better. I'd had some, some success career-wise. Things were, things were coming along pretty good. Okay. And so I, yeah, I want to, I want to point out one thing because you had said earlier about giving the brain questions. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I love about this point is you were like, you gave yourself a more powerful question instead of why is this all happening to me? It's like, how can I make this better? Yeah. I'm going to figure out how to make this better. And I know in one of my own mind shift moments of literally one foot off a cliff. And when I stepped back and then cried it all out later that night, I had this moment where the problem shifted. It was not how do I get out of pain? It's how do I make things better? And how do I solve this new problem? So it's, it's like what you said, giving a more powerful, a better question. Yeah. And, and so what was it about specifically the cigarettes, the drugs and the alcohol that for you, that was the first step? Why, why was it about, what was it about those particular things that, made you decide that those would be the first thing you would try, the first things you would try? Yeah. So I knew, so I, I didn't feel good at that point. I was not in good health. I was, I was pretty heavy and I lacked energy and I knew, you know, I knew what I was asking myself to do required a, a significant amount of physical energy to do it. And so that was a big part of it. The other piece of it for me was realizing that if your career is not where you want it to be, but you're spending X amount of times, X amount of time, X amount of hours out at the bar. And then you wake up the next day and you don't feel your best. You're not sharp. Well, no wonder, right? It takes to be successful in any, any career. It takes maximum effort. It's, it's, I, I don't know successful people who don't work hard at what they do. Sometimes they don't look like they're working hard. And if that's, <laughs> and then if that's true, their career ends up falling apart at some point, but it takes work and it takes effort. So for me, it was just, it was, it was kind of obvious that I knew that it, 
it wasn't successful. And I, I couldn't have articulated it at the point, but I had this intuition too, that a lot of the mental and emotional suffering that I was putting myself through was not being helped by drugs and alcohol. I, you know, I, so I'd always been writing during this time, but not professionally. And so early on in my life, you know, I could, drugs and alcohol seemed to stimulate some creativity. At least it felt like that. And I told myself that. By that point in my life, I realized that it was it was stealing any creativity that I had, and it was it, it was not um, there was no happiness or joy that was coming from it. At that point, it was desperation. It was like this is clearly not working, and I think that that you know is is the thing about asking an em empowering question is is saying okay, well, there's all this stuff that's that's whatever I've been doing to this point is clearly not working, and so you you look for things to to change and. For me, that was just a really obvious one. And it was, I think I was so excessive in those areas of my life that the toll, the, the price that I had to pay for it was really significant. And so I knew, I just intuitively knew that I was not going to get to where I wanted to continuing down that path. So flash forward four months later when I had, I had been sober and hadn't smoked and I thought, well, I'd, I'd like to just I'd like to be able to go out and have a couple glasses of wine and socialize and be a normal human being. And so I was fine. And then I thought, well, I'll, you know, I can go outside and have a cigarette. Not a problem. I, that doesn't mean I'm a smoker. It just means I'm having a, a cigarette. And then you end up buying a pack of cigarettes the next day. And then the two or three glasses of wine one night a week becomes, you know, eight glasses of wine two nights a week. And, and I didn't get back to where I was, but there was at least one or two nights a month from the back half of that year where I was binge drinking and using drugs again and, and chain smoking and, and the whole thing. And it just, every time I did. And so at that point in my life, I felt really, 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 really guilty because I would feel awful the next, physically I'd feel awful the next day and probably two or three. And so again, I'm in this position where it's like, I'm trying to work and I'm trying to move my career forward, but I'm not, I'm not having the kind of success and I'm not making the kind of consistent progress that, that I should have been. And so by the end of that year, December of 2018, I'd started to have some some pretty significant health problems and dealing with started dealing with vertigo. And I didn't know exactly everything that was going on, but I was like, this is it's not a game anymore. It's not it's this was not something right. I could keep playing with. And so I in the middle of December of 2018, I, I got sober once and for all. I've never had a cigarette or a drink or since. And and boy, am I glad that I finally did that. And at that point in my life, there was, a, a, I decided to stop being guilty and say, you know, right. when I, on April 13th, when I made this commitment, I made that commitment and I believed in it, but I still believe in it. And just because I failed along the way, doesn't mean I need to start all the way over. And it doesn't mean that I'm a, a, a broken human being. It means I tried right. something that was difficult to do and I wasn't able to successfully do it yet, but I'm going to do it this time. Oh, that is the yet. The yet is so powerful. Yeah. And one of the things that we look at, okay, our life is a mess and it's not the way that we want. And what is the, what can we do? It's like, you can make a list of all the things that are not right in your life. And then you got to look at what is it that you can actually control. And so leaning into quitting the drugs and the alcohol, that's something you can definitely control. Like you yeah. can't necessarily fully control the types of clients you're attracting. Not yet anyway, not at this place where everything is just really messy. You can't necessarily control the people around you. You can't control things like a pandemic or the economy, like all of those things you can't control. So it's always got to start with you. What is it that you can control? And giving up the drugs and alcohol is a really good first step. And, and for people out there that are struggling with that, it is a first step. And I know that it's like, oh, God, there's more. That's hard enough. <laughs> and also, just as you said, it's not easy. So yeah. we can... It's okay when you can learn to let go of the guilt for the mistakes, right? Things out of our control. Well, yeah. tech, we did everything in our control to control the tech glitches, and they still came up, but it's just a mistake. The less you can 
the less you beat yourself up, the faster you move on and are, okay, that happened. All right. I learned something. Then the sooner you can actually move towards the things that actually really start to make the life better. And it sounds like starting to have those health problems, it's almost like maybe there was a part of you going, hey, Sean, remember that thing that you were going (laughs) to do to help make your life better? I had that thing going on for a decade before I I did it, but most people do. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that it's important to realize too. It's like when you said, Oh my God, there's, there's more to it after step one. Well, there's, you know, when hard doing hard things is incredibly empowering and doing Mm -hmm. the things that you can control and being disciplined and being faithful, it becomes so symbolic and empowering in your life that, okay, I can do this thing that's hard and I can do it because I want to. And that really, when you start to understand, well, wait a minute, I can do the things that I want to do. And so it, you, you, your belief system change and you start to think, well, what else can I do? And, you know, you talk about like, you can't control the, the clients you're a- attracting at that, at that stage in your, yes. your life. So that's, <laughs> And that's so true. Yeah, it's yet. But what you but when you start to engage in those things that are so tangible and your physical health, by by the way, for anybody struggling with emotional or mental health issues, it's it's not a there's there's no one solution that works for everybody. And it's tremendous suffering. And um, I think that for most people, exercising, eating right, not doing drugs and alcohol, that's giving your body the chance that it needs to right side itself, both mentally and 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 emotionally. And sometimes we forget that our physical chemistry controls our brain and our brain controls right. our emotions and it's all, it's all linked and you have to take control of it. And I think that the, you know, the other thing I would say that is an important mind shift when you're trying to make changes in your life is because guilt is such a, a massive derailer. And when you feel guilty, you, you stimulate the fear monster. Cause it's like, I feel bad for what's already what I've done. And so now I'm afraid I'm going to do those things again, or I'll keep making the same mistakes. And the, I think the, the most important thing we can do is forgive ourselves for things that we regret and also realize that whatever you've done, that's wrong, whether you've, you've hurt other people, you've hurt yourself. And by the way, everybody's hurt other people and everybody's hurt themselves. It's really important to realize that that's part of your journey and that's part of that's part of who you are and who you have become to that moment. And there is a tremendous opportunity to use all of that and what it is that you want to become. And had you not made those mistakes and had you not gone through those difficult journeys that you feel guilty about, you wouldn't have nearly the amount of resources that you currently have to move forward and, and pursue whatever it is that you want to do. So embrace whatever has been to get you where you are and and then leave it behind. The past is useless to to all of us. It's fun to learn. I love history. So I love archaeology. I love history. Um, those things are awesome. So I'm not saying not to learn from the past, but when the story that is playing in your mind is about stuff that happened in your childhood or mistakes that you made as a young adult or as a teenager, is not productive and is not going to help you. You've got to you've got to take control of your your thought process to focus on who am I right now and who do I want to become and and work towards that. And that's right. where you get a lot of empowerment and and that process. Well, and one of the those things we touched on this when you're talking about doing those things that you can control, creating discipline, like eating well, exercising. And you'll you want to do this stuff if you're not a person that can just jump in and change everything and have the discipline, start with one little thing like I do squats when I brush my teeth. That's a little tiny thing that I can do to add exercise. And as you do that, you begin to build that thing that we were talking about. It's like that self-respect and a little bit higher opinion of yourself. And, And you also, speaking of brain chemicals and brain thought processes and all of that, when you accomplish something hard, you release dopamine. When you make a, when you set a goal and you, 
achieve it, you release dopamine. And that's the feel-good neurotransmitter in the brain that it's literally designed to keep us motivated. So that's another thing in that process. Set smaller goals, not so small that you could do them with your eyes closed, but set smaller goals so that you get those dopamine hits along the way so that you're continuing to feed that motivation. And I know a lot of us that grew up feeling maybe like we weren't worthy or good enough or had circumstances in life sort of mirror that to us or make us think that that was the case. We tend to think in big, grandiose things like where we've got to like, okay, well, if I just sell out Madison Square Gardens, then I will be good enough. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, that's so true. And that's just, obviously, that's a really big goal and it could be something to work towards, but you've got to have smaller little goals along the way to feed the dopamine monster so yeah. that you stay motivated and you can keep that building that self-respect and that opinion of yourself. Yeah. And I, I think that there's so much joy that comes from struggle when you're struggling. And it, I think this is the key. If you're struggling on something that you want to do and you're struggling to become the person you want to become, and you, you get a little bit of success. It doesn't take much. It, it feels great. And then, but then the, that feeling goes away pretty quickly. And you, the more success you have, the more you start to realize that it's not the success that makes you happy. It's the, it's the work that you do. And it's who you become in the process of, of pursuing yourself that, that truly makes you happy. And so Kobe Bryant passed away not so long ago. And I, I was fascinated by how much people were moved by him. I, there was, it was more than, you know, when celebrities die, it's become very, very common that there's a, this reaction of remorse about somebody you, you didn't know. And, but there was a, there was a different outpouring with, with Kobe Bryant and part of it is the way he died in the youth and all that. But I, I started to dig into him, his life and what he did a little more than, than I had before. And he, you know, when his Jersey was retired, he, he gave the speech and he turned to his daughters and he said, I know you know that hard work, you can make your dreams come true with hard work. I know you know that. And he said, but the thing that is the dream is that you get up at five in the morning and do the work. And when you're late at night, you do the work. And the dream isn't the championships. It's when you're doing the work. And I think that that, you know, that he modeled that and we all saw that and intrinsically knew that, right? This is somebody who's committed and passionate about what they do at all times win, lose, or draw. And, and he did it with joy. Right. And so that, that touches us all in a way that we're not even necessarily able to, to articulate while we're experiencing it. But that is, that's the work ethic, but that's also the, the ability to be fulfilled in the work that you're doing while you're doing it that leads to the success. And then when you get the success, you go back to doing the work, whatever it was. And I, you know, I think about Kobe Bryant after he retired and he was making films and he was doing all kinds of other things that made him happy and, and that he was continuing to be successful. In. And, and I think it's because he understood that doing the work is where the joy is. It's not in the, the result. Yeah. And, and that's huge. And so I just want to leave everybody as we start to wrap up. So here you are, you've quit drinking, you've quit smoking, you're done. Were you, you were still having some health issues. Yeah. So 2019 was a a brutal year for me health wise and so it was the first year that i was i was sober but i so i was diagnosed with lupus i was struggling with vertigo and on a good day i felt like i had the flu i dealt with severe respiratory illness for six weeks two months at a time four or five times during the year so i was literally like if you have a, a bad chest cold that's how i was most of the year and you know, I'd gone to, obviously I was going to physicians for medicine and, and to kind of try to figure out what was going on. And, and truthfully, the first half of that year, nobody could figure out what was going on. And so I, I figured it out. It's like, well, your body's just cleaning itself out. You've, you've done a lot of damage here over the time. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that was my, that was my story is that my body just needed, needed time and it needed to clean itself right. out. I think that makes some sense, but it was, it was a really, really, really rough year. You know, I'd been working hard and, and so my career was, was 
going better and I was busier. So it was just, it was a little bit of a catch 22. It's like, I, I struggled to get through my day sometimes just from an energy standpoint. And the blessing of it is in social situations, people would offer a drink or whatever. The, the temptation was not there at all for me. It was like, I it was like, yeah. no, I, my body told me my body. I was, I was very fortunate that my body told me it was done and, and, yeah. and we were, but it was in that year was a really, 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 really difficult year because again, you start to, you start to question, like, I'm in so much pain and I'm suffering so much and I'm trying to do everything right. And there's moments I would be just devastated crying. Like I'm trying so yeah. hard. Why is it that, why is it that, that all this is still happening to me? And the answer, answer to that question we'll, we'll get to in the next episode and, and where that goes. <laughs> but yeah, the 2019 was a really, really difficult year, but, and I, I alluded to it earlier, but the, the lesson for me in that year was that doing hard things is really is empowering and what makes us feel alive. And I think that had I chosen, I look back and I, there were several opportunities I had to chuck it and, and not keep trying. Uh, and I'm so glad that I did because the, it's like, it, it's the old cliche, the, that the, the night is d darkest before the morning, before right. the sun rises. And I won't quote it exactly, but there's an old Louis L'Amour quote where he says, you'll reach a point in your life where you think that all is lost and that is the beginning. And so that was, that was 2019 for me. It was just persisting through that and, and staying the course and realizing I had taken several years over a decade to screw my life up yeah. doing, doing everything right for a year. Wasn't, wasn't going to get me all the way back. So yeah. And I think so many people can relate to that place when they've really been putting in the work and they've churned things around and they're trying so hard, but they're still not where they want to be. Yeah. And so I think this is the perfect place We're to there. Ra yeah. wrap up this episode. Um, but tell, I would love for you to, you have a special discount that you're offering for the <laughs> listeners and the watchers. They can't, and they can't use it until next week. We have to, they have to know the end of the story before they can. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. So yeah. So Wolf 30 is the promo code. That's good for 30% off everything in the learning center on the website. And I think, I think all the information's there and links. For, yeah. For those listening, it's Sean-Randall.com and that's S H A U N dash r-a-n-d-a-l-l.com and in the learning center if you use the discount code this is all capitals wolf 30 you get 30 percent off all the programs in the learning center which is so cool yes yes and i and i the other thing i always like to say is if 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 there's a need that somebody's aware of and and somebody that and something is cost prohibitive for somebody please email me and we'll figure it out away. So we, I, my life is committed to helping people and hopefully not go through the same journey that I went through. Everybody has to go through their own journey, but at least learn from the mistakes that I've made and learn from, more importantly, learn from the successes that I've had. And, and I'm, so honestly, I don't want to leave right now. I want to get right into 2020, <laughs> but we'll have to come back. We'll have to come back and do this again next week. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you one more question yeah. after I tell people that if you want to have access to a lot of this, a lot of our journey is about what we do for a living and creating the right career for us. And that means making the right career moves. And I know a lot of people are stuck in that normal, we've got to do what we're supposed to do sort of thing. I have a free guide out there. It's called Five Secrets You Need to Make the Right Career Moves, the Perfect for You Career Moves. And you can access that at elevatefreegift.com. So type in your browsers. Everybody stop for a minute. Type in sean-randall.com and type in elevatefreegift.com. And so the question I want to ask you for this wrap-up at this point in time, this place where you still don't have what you needed or what you thought you wanted and, and it wasn't there and you're in that place of why me? Why is I'm trying so hard? If you were going to give that 
man a piece of advice? Because I know a lot of people can relate <laughs> to that point. What would be the thing you would tell him? Well, unironically, I would say, just wait to see what happens. The, the best is yet to come. I, you know, I, I fervently believe that the future will, will always be better. And if it's not better, we'd really better enjoy right now. So whatever that is. But I, you know, I think the thing that I wish I knew, but I wish I, I, I would have had somebody smack me upside the head is stop trying to be all these th The reason that you're trying so hard and you're not getting what you want is because you're trying to be somebody other than who you are. And it's easy, it's easy to get those things confused. My career, I enjoyed what I did. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy the work and, and there were so many positives to what I was doing, but it wasn't, it wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my true thing. It was, I guess it would be one of them, but it wasn't my and end all be all, or I, there's so many different ways you'd say it. I, let's say true calling. Right. And so right. the advice I would, I would tell him is that stop what you're doing and just pursue your true passions and whatever, whatever happens. Well, first of all, I can guarantee you, it'll be far superior to the life you're living now. There's really no way to fail. The only way you can fail is by not, not pursuing it. And that the, the, the feelings that you want of fulfillment, of joy, of abundance, those feelings will come and they will only come when you turn inside of yourself and decide that I'm going to be everything that I want to be and everything that I, I am meant to be. And any day spent doing anything else is a complete, well, it's not a complete waste of time because you'll learn from it, but it's, it's going to, it's going to continue you down a path of, of not being fulfilled in your life. So follow mm -hmm. your dreams, pursue your passion. Yes, pursue the passion and be who you're born to be, right? That's cool. Yeah. Sean, thank you. I'm so excited. I can't wait till next week. <laughs> I'm like, and for those of you all listening, we are not recording these episodes back to back. So I have to wait a week too. <laughs> all right. Thank you for sharing your journey and honoring us with your presence and sharing your wisdom. And I'm so looking forward to next week. Well, the, the pleasure and the honor was mine and I am, I'm, I'm jazzed and ready to go for next week. Awesome. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk then. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.